In these recap episodes, we meet to give things another breath of air and examine the films with fresh minds and hindsight. We'll go over anything we didn't get to in our original discussions, or bring up new thoughts we've only had with the passage of time. For clarification, one cycle of films is where each of us has picked once, so after Joel, Tim, and I have each picked a film, we'll sit down and do one of these recap episodes for the last set of three films. These recaps will be scheduled between our normal episodes so we don't cheat you out of a regular one. This first cycle, we watched Dragon Lord, a Jackie Chan film from early in his directorial career, The Skycrawlers, a modern sci-fi anime from the man who brought us Ghost in the Shell, and Koyanis Katsi, a visual tone poem constructed across the 70s and 80s scored by Philip Glass. So, Joel, Tim, what have you been thinking about since you watched these films? Anything new? Put us on the spot. Wait, wait, shit. I've been thinking specifically with reference to the Jackie Chan film mm -hmm. since that's the genre and the actor that I've been most familiar with with the stuff that we've watched. Um, and I'm going to do the thing I do every podcast. I'm going to date the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> recently, we had a trailer come out for The Foreigner. Um, which is the latest oh, Jackie Chan yes. film. Pierce Brosnan mm -hmm. and Jackie Chan. Yes. Yeah. And it's Jackie Chan versus mm -hmm. James Bond with a little bit of Taken <laughs> thrown in. And it, it looks incredible. And it, it, it just, it really got me thinking about how Jackie has been in a certain role for much of his career. And we're finally getting to a place where he can play a little bit darker. He, he's still the good guy. He, he built his career around the... Environmental use, almost slapstick esque yeah. stuff. The 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 high choreography, mm -hmm. the, the and using what's around him, and it's comical the, mm -hmm. the way he shapes the funny kung fu guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's oh, trying out Tim. a <laughs> Guido. <laughs> there's Tim, <laughs> like he was <laughs> in another weird. room. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. Really said anything yet? That's his introduction this episode. <laughs> but, but yes, it, 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 he, he, his reputation was built very, it feels like it was built with purpose mm -hmm. around a certain... Well, I mean, I've, I've seen interviews where he, he said, I never wanted to be the, the tough guy. I didn't want mm -hmm. people to come up and, or, or see me in a movie and see, that's, that's, this guy's posturing... He's, he's the guy to beat up. He always wanted his characters to show pain, to wince, to, to be comical, to disarm him. He's, he's kind of, he didn't say, I don't want to be Bruce Lee, but that's kind of how I've always thought of it. It's like, mm -hmm. Bruce Lee's badass. He's always... That larger than life. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's characterized as this almost like unstoppable force, mm -hmm. whereas Jackie is this usually this fallible, funny kind of... Mm -hmm. He makes mistakes. Yeah. He, he stops to, to, to rub his side and groan. Yeah. Yeah. There's a humanity injected into them. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and that's something I'm really, really excited about, seeing him in this role in The Foreigner, because I, I don't want to give too much away, but in the trailers, kind of implied that, well, not implied, it shows that his daughter is murdered in a uh, terrorist attack in um, Britain, and he's trying to go after the bombers, and he ends up butting heads with Pierce Brosnan, who's running like an Interpol office there. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that Jackie's a bad, bad man. He's a good guy, but he's a bad, very, bad man. He's given a very particular set of skills. Yes. <laughs> and it, it, it's just, I'm really, specifically with reference to the movie that we watched, 
to see that stark contrast that yeah to see how far he's developed in the roles that he's playing it 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 seems like a natural maturation mm-hmm. you know like he, he spent a lot of time being that silly fallible mm-hmm. kind of familiar presence and now he can be a little bit more brooding a little more sure. um intense mm-hmm. i i want to i point out i thought a little more about i said that this that dragon lord felt sort of familiar mm-hmm. american-ish in a lot of ways mm-hmm. in the production and whatnot i feel like i may have misrepresented Jackie Chan's Western influences would have been more British, not American. That makes I kept saying American. I sort of, I sort of feel bad, like I sort of it's kind of like Americanized sure. everything. I, hmm. I just that's where I am. But I thought a little more about the, why the film didn't really feel foreign. Mm-hmm. And my experience with foreign films is admittedly limited, not super limited. I think less limited than most Americans, but but just based on what I the general picture I've built from the bits and pieces I've gathered mm. about the, the French films I've watched or the German ones or the limited palette of Spanish films and a series of Italian films from a lot of my classes and of course British films are pretty plentiful around mm-hmm. here. The, the the very general overarching thematic or tonal consistencies that I've picked up on with, within each nation's films, mm-hmm. again just of the ones that I have seen, mm-hmm. it didn't hit any of those notes for me. And because of that, and because my experience with American films is much broader, it just felt sort of, it just fell into that middle that ground. Of, oh, gotcha. film, just thing, here it is. Uh-huh. And that, I'm wondering how much of that is that American films are my default because I'm American. Mm-hmm. And so when the film felt def- like a default film, it just, I just assumed, oh yeah, America, it's natural to me. Gotcha. And how much of that is particular to American cinema? And how much of that is a numbers game, even? Just that there's so much that's true. cinema. cinema. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that, because I, I, I think my familiarity with this film came from a different place, because I, I've i just seen so much of Jackie's work that it's kind of the things that i found familiar within it are things that I've just seen in his other films as they've become more Americanized. And I think a lot of my... How I watch a film is impacted by having seen Jackie Chan stuff. Um, just how things are choreographed and shot. And he, mm-hmm. like, when I judge this action sequences... One, sequ- one of your baselines was this sort of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that's you, the thing. Like, when I'm judging sorry. fight choreography or those kinds of things, I'm, I'm constantly thinking of how good Jackie is at putting mm-hmm. hits on film, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, so, and uh, he... People don't talk about him as a director or choreographer very much. No. He's, he's this presence on screen, and mm-hmm. he's kind of the reason to see a movie a lot. But like his his ability to capture things, it, I think, has had a major impact on how action sequences have been filmed and how people approach those kinds of choreography since. And I think that's that's, in a sense, what I found familiar about it, is that I saw those kind of threads being picked up in more um, mm-hmm. American later um, action flicks. Yeah. So this film, which was your first experience, was also influential in yeah. the things that came later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you you grew with the genre. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was molded by it. 
Uh, and somewhere John is smiling because we just had a Bane reference. Bonnet, Mortimer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, Nerds That Geek runner, John. <laughs> Patron saint of nerd yes, content. He, <laughs> he, uh, Patron he saint of... has a very good Bane voice, I must No, I, he does. He definitely does. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. Patron mm-hmm. saint of nerd content and sharks. And sharks. <laughs> oh, yes. The sharks are important. <laughs> And tacos. And tacos. Uh, tacos, sharks, and nerd content. Yeah, absolutely. Something that I mentioned with both of you in the Skycrawlers, mm-hmm. to shift gears a bit here, is the video game, mm-hmm. which exists, which wraps back around my whole exceedingly roundabout manner of discovering the film in right. the first place. But the video game, I, I don't know how officially canonical it is attached to the film or not, mm-hmm. story-wise, I it's, it's an implied prequel is that oh, it kind is, of it's the a prequel sense? for sure okay um definitively mm-hmm. just i don't know whether it counts as oh hey they just were allowed gotcha. to make a game or oh this is gonna tell a specific story you know do you know how close it was released to the original film uh let me find out for you let's see the game was released in japan in 2008 okay to, then 2010 for North America and Europe. It's an interesting delay. Hmm. So 2008 would have been the actual <laughs> publication date there. And then the film was released in also 2008. Okay. Interesting. Huh. Hmm. So unless that was a particularly quick turnaround. I wonder if they were they were, they were released together. That, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the the game deals with it, for what for what you may or may not recall from the film. It's the companies that are constantly at war with each other. They're the, the children, they were called, mm-hmm. but just they're cloned. The game starts with you as a human pilot, and it starts with when the first children begin to arrive on the front lines, gotcha. and there's this, oh, they're just kids, and oh, they're so young, and, you know, your squadron takes losses, and then the children pilots reappear. Same bodies, same voices, you know, give you different names if you've never met you before, mm-hmm. and it's a little, little weird, and there's some betrayal, and some weird stuff. The whole gist of it, the ultimate contrivance, is that at the end, uh, one of the children who died comes back up to your player character, whose face is hidden the whole time, who is standing next to a plane with a Black Panther on it, and she calls you Teacher. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea is that you were playing the character that eventually became Teacher mm-hmm. in the film. And it is said in the film that the Teacher switched sides. It all it all fits, it all tallies. Yeah. The way things unfolded in that story, I, I sort of felt like the Teacher, especially in the film, we see him purposefully kill. Which I think I may have mentioned in the episode. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That it's not just, oh, he's shooting the plane down. You know, you right. see in the we opening, the that blood. guy bails out and he the, machine yeah. guns him. It's, yep. it's yeah. to kill, not just, oh, we're going to take them, shoot the planes down, do my job. It's actually looking for the death of these killers. Uh-huh. I feel like the events in the game motivate him that way. That everything that goes on there, and I'm not going to sit here and explain the whole game, right? Mm-hmm. That would be a waste of everybody's time. That they, they give him this, this sense that he's freeing them almost mm-hmm. from their their past mistakes hmm. or misdeeds you know it's a, it's, a, it's a new life another chance back to that joyous ignorance if you will mm-hmm. that while the children's the children almost seek life like an adult like a human it's something that's like out of reach for them that in the film they talk they talk about the strangeness of never growing old mm-hmm. that the teacher sees that as a curse in a way gotcha and especially a curse for people who have, whose whole life is war. Mm. I didn't really, it didn't really come up in the episode, but just that 
whole because we don't learn almost anything about the future in the film and I think that's on purpose you know it's very much a right. slate so that's why I say I don't know how canonical a game is necessarily so did you play through the game before having seen the movie no okay I, I started watching the YouTube walkthrough I didn't own a Wii okay and then at some point maybe the third mission you know there was a comment somewhere about the film and I went film and then, that's right. then yeah, I watched yeah, yeah, the yeah. movie then I finished watching the playthrough okay I did eventually buy the game and play it on a roommate's Wii gotcha gotcha <laughs> but uh but yeah, so I did watch the film first, mostly. <laughs> gotcha. It's just interesting because I, I didn't realize that you had had a couple missions into that kind of world before you had the film. I'd be interested if you would recommend no playing the I, game. I, I, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> story point. I think you were expected to have watched the film uh-huh. because at least in those first few, there's not, there's no explanation. Gotcha. You just show up and you're. We're well, supposed to know who Rostock and Walturn are. Mm. corporations gotcha. and, and identify the icons and everything it's definitely the other way around mm-hmm. you know with the reveal of you being the teacher like if you haven't seen the film it's like so you don't care oh, right. Gotcha. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. I mean in a sense that's, that's what the film does too is that it, it slowly gives you information but mm-hmm. in it, which what it sounds like you're describing the game does that more there's nothing spoon fed at all it's there's a context well, that... the world's already built gotcha. in the game. Okay. So it's not going to tell you about the different planes or why the corporations are at war or what have you. All you're concerned with is what's going on with, in your base with your personnel and your squad mates, gotcha. etc. You know, it's, it's a war story. It's even Private Ryan. They don't talk about why we're landing on the beaches. <laughs> you know, they just show you what happens to the squad. <laughs> it's a similar sort of thing. Saving Private Ryan accomplishes that because it's about World War Two, and it's very, it's all very common knowledge. Right. But the game here accomplishes that by assuming you watch the film. Mm-hmm. So. Tim, did you have any kung fu sky crawler thoughts? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they all well, they have to cross pollinate. Yeah, I certainly have the yeah. most to say about Kaganiskazi, so let's okay. let's clean these two up before <laughs> yeah. we move on. Um, well, I definitely I, I thought it was interesting when you when you were talking about like you know the viewing Dragon Lord as kind of like being this kind of in the middle you know and, and recognizing like oh yeah I'm familiar with this because of other stuff I've seen and I feel like that happens a lot with um, you know with with me I recognized it because I've probably seen movies that have been influenced by it like that sort of thing you know it's like oh yeah, like I can see how this type of Kung Fu choreography led into films like The Matrix and The Transporter and, you know, stuff like that. And um, and it was kind of funny, like I didn't mention it originally because it's like, oh, that's kind of, you know, for me to say something like that to Joel who kind of has been into these movies is probably like when someone tells me that, oh, you know, I heard that song, The Planets by Gustav Holst that sounds like Star Wars. And I, I want to <laughs> wring their neck. I'm like, no, Star Wars sounds like The Planets. <laughs> Star Wars was written like before World War II. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's that sort of thing where it's like, you know, kind of you keeping the keeping was written the planets. Yeah, I see Star Wars, yeah, yeah. the planets, yeah. The, yeah, really the cool. planets. So is that arcuter in your neck, Tim? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I got it backwards. But no, yeah, but it's that sort of thing where it's like, um, you know, I, I try to keep that in check where it's like, okay, if I'm acknowledging something that's the original like oh this is probably the original not the thing that i'm familiar with being the original and then sort of judging the other thing based on my knowledge it's mm-hmm. like well wait a minute like this, this this came first this is sort of this deserves kind of the 
the respect and the wonder of like wow that influenced all these things that that i like you know all these movies that you know these americanized movies that have kung fu in them are because of stuff like this you know um <clears throat> so i thought that was an inter interesting sort of thing that you know like coming into kung fu movies like relatively late in the game and and yeah, through through american movies um to then see it in uh you know, and, and you know, I, I do have some experience in the past where I did watch. You know, I think I talked about like watching some of um, Jet Li's older films. Right. You know, so I did kind of dig into that a little bit, but but still not to the scope of you know the role that like Bruce Lee versus Jet Li versus Jackie Chan played in the evolution mm -hmm. of of kung fu and that coming to America and how that was brought here and what people thought about it and things like that. You know, I just kind of came into it later when like, wow, that's cool. Like, you know. Uh, Keanu Reeves is doing kung fu now. Yeah, like that's that's <laughs> awesome, you know. But it, not thinking about how we got there and how mm -hmm. that um, that became an option, even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and you know that's just one of the things that I've tried to really focus on and enjoy um, about America that j we just rip stuff off from everybody, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and like you know we you know we'll just like mercilessly be like you know oh yeah that thing that's really sacred and you know pure to you I'm taking it and I'm doing what I want with it. <laughs> It comes back to the double-edged sword of the melting pot. Mm -hmm. that yeah. Brought together, you create wonderful new things, but at the expense of something of the source. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And whether one is objectively better than the other or not, and just, yeah. uh, you know, et cetera. I'm glad you brought up the. Uh, oh man, I've lost the sentence now, but something along the lines of that you have experience with newer things, but not with older. Mm -hmm. And which is ironic. How much older I am. It's something along the lines of not understanding the impact. I think you said about the old. Well, yeah, because yeah, I didn't know. I, yeah, I didn't know right. like the history of like Jackie Chan. Yes, yeah, so you don't have and, the, the recognition. And, yeah, um, you know, and I know who those people are, and I know that they're responsible. But like how you knew the details, Joel, about like oh, you know, using what's around him and having that sort of more. Um, realistic like ooh this hurt and I'm not a, I'm not a superhuman the way you know Bruce Lee might come across mm -hmm. you know like I didn't know those sort of little details but you know looking back you can see how those little things filter into you know like if I watch you know a, a modern American movie with kung fu in it you know you might see all those little, little different aspects that in different fighters in that film that is influenced by all those different people like oh you know this style of fighting is very bruce lee but this uh, style of fighting is very gently and this you know mm -hmm. and you know and that's i think one of the cool things is that you know i wonder you know and, and and not to say this is a criticism of them but like yeah if you have a movie that's choreographed by jackie chan you know how much of it is going to be mostly his style like even if it's other people fighting and how much is he really going to try to tap into other other people um, versus it being his own voice whereas you know sometimes I think that is the advantage of like the melting pot and being detached from it is well I've watched all these different kung fu movies by all these different directors and all these different fight choreographers and I'm going to turn each of them into a different character mm -hmm. you know and um, you know I see that happening a lot in the 21st century and you know with with music and everything where um, you know it's you know it's it's drawing on the past but usually to kind of you know, either reference something or, or um, you know, I know this happened a lot in Hamilton. Like there were very different styles of rap that were used for different characters. You know, so it's not just yeah, the whole thing is just rap, whatever. Like, like it was meant to have these different styles that you know, again, that that couldn't have been made if all those different styles hadn't grown from their different regions and you know whatever it was that influenced that particular style for then 
you know, um, Miranda to kind of draw on that and say like, okay, I want to use this style for this scenario. You know, we use the rap battle for the uh, um, the debate, you know, and that kind of thing and piecing those different styles together, um, you know, to create this sort of interesting contrast and interplay between those styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that that's, again, one of the things I appreciate about the, the sort of American way of approaching things of like, I can step back from this after all this history and just kind of mash stuff together, you know, without being like, well, this is the style that I know. This is what I was raised on. This is what, you know, this is my tradition. And, um, you know, and I, I can see how that might be offensive to certain cultures who like, yeah, like this is, this is what we grew up on. This is like, what is, you know, uh, you know, a core of our, um, of our culture. And you're just kind of throwing it in to be like, oh, well, this character is going to be this, you know, and I guess there are ways to do it where it's more or less respectful, but um, but, you know, as in, I try to look at it as an artist to be like, okay, if someone hadn't made that stretch to say, like, I'm going to take, you know, all three of these different styles and kind of mix them in one film, you know, for these different reasons, you know, we never would get to see stuff like that, maybe. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I don't know, maybe maybe Jackie Chan did do a movie where he was like, I want to reference these different styles and purposely try to make a character who is you know like bruce lee who is more superhuman and mm-hmm. you know kind of pushing the boundaries of what the uh, the human body can do but then there's a character who's like me who's like okay i kind of know kung fu but i'm also a little silly and okay here's a table i'm gonna throw that and you're describing it, break forbidden my leg kingdom and, is that kind of how that works with and it's jackie and chet lee's in it too oh nice it's okay. really really cool um so now i want to see that film. Yeah, <laughs> i own it nice we'll watch it at some point um you'd brought up uh keanu reeves as mm-hmm. an example of like Western kung fu, mm-hmm. and like I don't want you to have any diminished view of him as a kung fu guy because mm-hmm. um, I've heard interviews, especially with the uh, in, guy, uh, director of John Wick and John Wick Two, mm-hmm. talking about what a beast Keanu is with mm-hmm. choreography. Because mm-hmm. typically, with American actors doing action sequences like that, they're limited to four or five moves in a row before they have to stop, reset. Right. And move to another thing, mm-hmm. and Keanu can almost double that. Oh wow! Like he he's really good with choreography, just because mm-hmm. they started him with the Matrix, and he got really good training mm-hmm. really early, mm-hmm. and just kind of the the like you were saying about um, the influence of those styles kind of amalgamating into something new, like Gung Fu, like you would see in uh, uh, Equilibrium, Equilibrium mm-hmm. or <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and. Um, John Wick's a good example of it too. The mm-hmm. way he uses his gun and that kind of rigid, uh, well-defined movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is definitely informed by a lot of okay. These are these are traditional forms that we're uh, mm-hmm. adding a gun to, and how would that move? And how would the yeah. philosophy of a martial art? Yeah, not, definitely. Maybe not philosophy. Maybe that's too too strong a term but the respect but for the weapon some of the core yeah. aspects yeah. yes the efficiency of movement mm-hmm. yeah. the precision of delivering the strike with the weapon whether yeah. it's a staff or a sword or your fist or a gun yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. integrating the basic physical motion concepts yeah. mm-hmm. every time Keanu comes up it makes me happy that John Wick is a thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, you, you both touched on now you touched on Tim about their cultural impacts to of things that get lost as they become less new mm-hmm. of a sort that we don't tap into them because we weren't there it wasn't mm-hmm. original for us or it wasn't attached to one of the first things we saw and then you also brought up the matrix which fits nicely into as an example for me 
that I didn't watch The Matrix for a while. It's another another film I was late to the party mm-hmm. for, along with Lord of the Rings. And, um, <laughs> I think we've talked about The Matrix <laughs> and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars in every, every episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> common <laughs> themes, people. <laughs> that's and fair. Buster and yeah. dating the podcast. That's that's true. The podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because. Uh, have not having the wow factor of oh I've never seen this before uh-huh. when I went to watch The Matrix I think meant that I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as a lot of people did gotcha. which I, st- I still think it's fine I don't, I'm not, not going to say oh man I hated The Matrix I'm some sort of elitist asshole I just I'd seen slow motion before and I'd seen wire two before and I'd seen better special effects mm-hmm. done later and some of them were influences things that only came about because of the matrix right, right. some of them were things that had happened before the matrix that the matrix had popularized or brought to the fore or just also done if you will mm-hmm. so then when i went to see the matrix it had nothing for me nothing left to stand on but the story itself and the execution itself which was fine but was not mind-blowing i see i have this problem a lot lately with things from the 80s and their age <laughs> <laughs> you know they'll tell me you know, oh, this film, this was great. And that film, and there's this huge list of films that are all older than I am, Mm. that if I were to make a similar list of films from when I was growing up, it could be just as long. But even now, there are some of them that I would show to you guys and say, you won't like this as much as I did because Mm -hmm. of the age and the time that's passed Mm -hmm. and just the way the world changed, the way you think. And the people I talk to who recommend all these 80s films don't seem to... It never crosses their minds. Gotcha. So they keep going, this is great, and that is great, and that. And I'll watch some of them sometimes and go, well, okay. Again, I, nothing... Sorry, Joel. N- no, no, Nothing no. about the execution was fat. Oh, man, what a piss-poor film. You know, these people need to be fired. Nothing, nothing like that. I'm not saying they didn't do good work. Right. Or like, oh, they don't really be paid. Nothing like that. Just that a lot of things, without the time period that they're in, I don't even want to say they don't age well. That's too strong a term. Just that things that are your first first exposure somehow or just when you're interested in something yeah there's a, a personal atmosphere to that that without it <clears throat> the thing the film or song or whatever becomes less mm-hmm. and time period is important and memory is important you know everyone at some point maybe not everyone most people eventually discover music that's Harder, louder, angrier, electric guitars, metal, grunge, you know, like, <laughs> that, that teenager phase, like, if you will. <laughs> like like I, that was Batman's voice. <laughs> sure. But uh, for me, it was, and still sort of remains, Pearl Jam, because that was what mo- my dad listened to when he worked out. So it was cool, because it was you know, my dad, and he's strong, and he's working out. And, and it was also new at the time, a lot of it was, gotcha. you know, because I was born in 1992, so when, you know a lot of their albums came out he would buy them immediately mm. so that I have that convenient it just sort of tallies oh this also happens to be the thing that that I was my heavier music if gotcha. you will but it could have been Avenged Sevenfold or or some Swedish band or or Metallica because in my case it was what my dad listened to right when it came out it was irrelevant so if he'd listened he listened to Metallica or to Guns N' Roses. And I know people are going to get angry about me lumping all these different things together and <laughs> under the term of... I think Guns N' Roses and Metallica are a good mix. Sure, well, I mean, just, what I mean is the sort of the, the loud guitar sort of yeah. thing yeah. that when you graduate <clears throat> from children's songs, if you will, to your teenager's song. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the point is, it would have been those things. And even though 
some of those things would have had the same distance from me that some of these 80s films do or earlier films do that's not the point mm-hmm. the point was the, the memory for me. it was my first it was my introduction my roadmap. yeah so film wise for these 80s films things like Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street Jaws and then there are many many sequels uh-huh. and all <laughs> the many spin-offs and things they inspired were these people's roadmaps. gotcha so they have a like and respect for lots of them but for me it only extends on its own to some of them to the original Jaws and you know the, the thing and the first Friday the 13th not the Freddy versus Jason in space etc etc <laughs> which some of which they appreciate just for what they are relics from a time period or for their association or for their memory which is fine I'm not saying you can't again, mm-hmm. like, difference of opinion and all that sort of thing but then when I go back and watch it on my own as just this young American <laughs> I am missing that mm-hmm. cultural context which is what you brought up Tim mm-hmm. that it's just doesn't it's not <clears throat> yeah. yeah it's interesting with kind of those these long franchises that you're kind mm-hmm. of talking about like I Nobody told me to go out and watch Tremors. <laughs> I love Tremors. <laughs> I love all of them. I love them all equally. <laughs> and they just get worse and worse as it goes along. <laughs> but I love them all. And it was just kind of that thing. It's like, Tremors is a thing. Let's watch this time. And then we proceeded to buy all of them and watch all of them. Because they're just... <laughs> mm-hmm. It's interesting that... I don't have the cultural context or the the time frame when they came out Mm -hmm. as the nostalgia to draw upon that made informed my love of that franchise. Sure. But the context of Tyne and I saying, "Hey, let's try this," and discovering the campiness. It's your own memory. It's your own cultural context, specific to you. Which is thank you. That's what I was trying to get at about the the music. Whether it would have been something from the '90s or the '80s or from any time, whatever it was, my dad was listening to time period was irrelevant yeah. I'm not going to sit there and remember when that song first came on the radio right. the same way that you're not going to think about Tremors when it came out that was going on at that time you're thinking about going to see it yeah. with who we were with and with the context that brought that up and it, it's not it, it doesn't seem forced in the way that a lot of movie recommendations that come from people who have seen them and had this nostalgic context for them mm-hmm. it's kind of like you have to see this it's like a pressure thing and you, it's like you're going to love this because yes. And instead of just kind of coming to it naturally and finding an appreciation without this kind of social pressure to find this nostalgia thing that is intangible yeah. and not recreatable, mm-hmm. that if you just come to it naturally and just can, I don't know, yeah. that's what Tremors was like. If somebody had said, you need to see Tremors, it's the greatest thing ever, you're going to like it because of these reasons, I imagine I would have gotten halfway through it and given up. Mm-hmm. I don't like thinking that because I would have missed out on a lot. <laughs> just, just some of the most that's, amazing, that's an terrible question is, is sequels. would you have? Because if you didn't end up liking it, you wouldn't feel like you were missing out, would you? That's true. That's, hmm. that's I'm, I'm, I, I'm mourning the hypothetical loss Love of the to, thing that I love. Yeah. <laughs> you Love to ask all your reality, Joel. <laughs> sure. Guys, a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think just in the interest of time, we should move on to Coin yeah, Scotty. Um, hey, I said it once, and it was correct. I'm done. <laughs> that was my impact. That's what I worked on leading up to the recap podcast, was pronouncing <laughs> the name of the film correctly. What film? <laughs> I'm not doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> the the one scored by Philip Glass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it starts with a K. <laughs> All right. 
So Tim, Kuyana's Katsu was your pick. Has watching it with us and then the subsequent discussion changed anything, brought anything new up? In the meantime, anything you wish you could have said to us? Um, or wish we had noticed or anything like that? Or? No, because I mean, I, that's one of the things I think that I dig about it is it, I think it has a point, but the point's like vague enough where, you know, it's not like, oh, but did you get this subtle reference to this at one event that happened at this one time? You know, it's kind of more just like, like I'm going to bombard, bombard you with these images and, you know, as long as you're seeing them, like you're, you're seeing what I'm saying with these images, you know, and, um, you know, and also that, um, I don't know if I said this last time, but one of the, uh, one of the things I really dug about it is it reminded me of, of meditation, you know, and there's, um, you know, a lot of things that, that kind of remind me of that. And, you know, when I went, <laughs> when I went through a period of new age stuff and, you know, was trying to meditate and, you know, it was really hard in the beginning. So I'm trying to like, okay, I'm supposed to stay focused and think about nothing, you know, and what really helped me was like, it's okay to kind of slip in and out of it. You know, it's okay to like fall asleep for a few minutes. It's okay to start letting your mind wander, but then bring it back. And, and you know, what was, what I thought was kind of cool about the film is I was like, yeah, if, if, if one of us dozes off for a few minutes, it's not going to ruin, <laughs> it's not going to ruin the whole film because there's enough of just kind of back and forth between these different types of imagery that you're going to, you know, click with something. And, um, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, that's the thing too is like maybe some of what one of us got was different than sort of you know what i'm trying to say is the obvious overall point but you know and maybe that's the thing maybe i shouldn't say point it's more of observation you know like in making the film it was an observation on these scenes like i'm just going to set the camera up here and stuff is going to happen like it normally happens like this isn't me you know telling actors what to say this isn't me arranging things a certain way this is just me plopping the camera down and watching things unfold so you know so in that sense like i mean granted choosing what to film you know is is more of the choice of the director and kind of steering you in one direction but it's not altered in the sense that you know it's like oh hey uh we gotta find 50 act actors to walk up an escalator constantly let's let's pay people to do that it's like that that shit was happening 24 mm -hmm. 7 whether he was there or not you know mm -hmm. um but then again like you know there i i feel like it's it's also vague enough that you can find your own connections to other things and kind of um more specific things if you kind of choose to see them or if they happen to jump out of out at you and uh so that was kind of what I was hoping for, like to kind of see the overall thing, but also to be like, what other little things kind of really connected personally, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So Tim, I was going to ask, how frequently do you rewatch this movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I don't think I had watched it since I moved here. So before 2011, probably. Mm. Okay. Um, Just because yeah. I, I, I'm having trouble thinking of a like time that I would sit down and watch this again by myself right but I would like to see it again mm -hmm. and kind of it was when you watch it are you, are you motivated to watch it alone or sh watch it with somebody else how how when you revisit this film what's what context do you like to revisit it in hmm. have you seen how many times have you seen it all the way through would you say probably I mean not not a ton maybe four or five maybe a few more okay um i feel like yeah usually 
I would try to introduce it to people. Um, I feel like, be, I don't know, it's like one of those where it combines like sort of quote unquote modern music. Um, it, co it combines this sort of new way of filmmaking where, yeah, we're not going to have a, a plot. We're not going to have characters. We're not going to have dialogue, you know. Um, so it's kind of like a bridge between sort of, oh, I know what a movie is. And well, this is something, you know, a, a marrying of visuals and music that's not necessarily what you're familiar with. But it's not like saying, oh, well, if you like movies, let's go to the opera. I feel like that's a bigger jump <laughs> of, you know, taking someone something knows and then relating it to something else that, that is visuals and music matched together. Um, I, I tend to probably want to watch it when I'm in like a little bit more of an artsy mood, you know, where it's like. I want this sort of, yeah, a, a slightly more vague experience. Um, you know, like if I'm in the mood to watch a movie, but like I don't want to necessarily want like a story, but I don't want something funny. You know, it's kind of like just a very kind of chill sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like that, that's a good point. I feel like a lot of the times I have seen it, it's been like, oh, I want to show, I want to watch this with so and so and kind of share it and be like, I think they would like this. and it'd be yeah that way of kind of experiencing it um through the other people um just to kind of see see what they think and um you know because I, I feel like it is a bit of a of a surprise you know especially if you haven't seen something like that where it's like oh you know yeah there's no dialogue and you know or or something where you can fall asleep and then wake up and be like okay i still get what's going on right. you know i you know i, I want to maybe see those scenes at some point but i don't feel like oh i missed the, the the character introduction that later betrayed them and now i don't understand the weight of that betrayal because of how that character was intro you know it's like right. it's you know it's just kind of like it's 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 more like looking at a painting almost you know like right. you're 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 watching a film which exists in the fourth dimension of time but it's almost kind of pulling you back into the third dimension of just space you know where you're just sitting there looking at space and it's timeless um so i really i really dig that part of it and you know yeah like i, I like blurring the lines between art forms you know and yeah things like that where music that tries to to sit still instead of moving forward and you know things like that so it's kind of like the narrative experience of the film comes from having watched it with somebody new and then the narrative becomes how you guys talk about it post watching it kind of it, it can but I, I almost don't I don't necessarily need that because it is kind of um, I don't know I guess that's the idea of like sharing you know and I, I think there are some things too that I, I've, I've found where it's like um, I don't want to talk about stuff right after sometimes because it's like I, I need this to sit with me and not have sort of other people's opinions kind of affect that at first you know like I you know we'll want to talk about it later but um, so it's not necessarily like I, <laughs> I I hope that I when I do watch it with someone I'm not putting the pressure of tell me what you thought of it you know and, and kind of you know making them kind of break out of whatever you know gears are still turning in their their own head um, but you know it's I, I feel like I do I do want to share the things that I feel like made some sort of even subtle impact on me and be like, maybe these would impact other people in a, in a similar way. Um, and they may not have known about this thing, you know, and, um, you know, and I, <laughs> for a while I felt like that with the matrix, but I, I get what you're saying too, because I realized that part of why I love that film. And I know that I can't necessarily recreate this for other people is that it was the first film that like blew my mind, you know, 
which I know isn't saying much like now looking back on it be like oh I've seen all these other films and it's like yeah but back in the late yeah, 1900s you know, impact. Like, yeah it doesn't take away any of the impact that there are have been better films since that's what mm-hmm. we're saying about it's what was first yeah that's what's important yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, but like you will never have that impact because you, it's not your first movie. Yeah, not from your, the Matrix, your, no. From your else. mind, right? Yes. Right. So, yeah. and that's that's sort of what I understand too. Is like I don't expect people to have that that same reaction. But, but I mean, and that's what's kind of cool about a movie like Carnescazzi because unless you've seen a lot of movies like it, that may be your first. That may be this kind of like connection that's now made, and you know, oh, I want to see other stuff like that, or or yeah, there is nothing exactly like that or i want to see the other parts of the trilogy you know which um i i don't think are as good um but i also haven't seen them as often Um, i think i've seen each of them i think i saw part two twice and part three only once um i've definitely only seen the third one once mm -hmm. it's it's yeah it's a lot harder to watch obviously but um does it have a casino royale quantum of solace thing where if you watch them back to back it's better two and three um in, in my impression that's two, a loaded question yeah. showing my opinion of certain Bond films yeah. we'll get that's, to that that's later that's for next episode <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Bond is the next <laughs> um, I mean one of the things about part two which was what, I forget the Pawakatsi I think um, which is life in transition I oh there's there's sequels to this yeah, yeah. I didn't, oh you were I talking about the Matrix no I was talking I about the Matrix I'm sorry. I was admittedly shocked Joel when you said you don't, you've seen the third one at right. all I oh like, no you know I that, <laughs> you didn't tell us we only watched yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> I would have had a lot more to talk about had I seen I didn't know that there were there, there was a trilogy yeah, Pawakatsi and, and Nakoikatsi which uh, yeah so Pawakatsi is life in transition so it's kind of got this like you know, instead of out of balance, it's like, oh, it's a transition. It's transitioning towards something. And there's a lot, there are a lot more scenes of of people doing things. Um, so it, it kind of reminded me like they took a portion of Koyaanisqatsi and then just stretched that out into a, its own film. You know, kind of people doing repetitive things. Huh. From what I remember, you didn't get as much of like, well, here's beautiful nature and scenery, and then here's people doing things. It was like mostly people doing things and kind of showing... I think maybe like sort of the progression of culture and the types of repetitive things that we do. Um, Nakoikatsi, which is life at war or life of war, um, I think I feel like it was made a lot later. Like it was a bigger gap between two and three it than was. one and two. Wikipedia tells yeah. us the second one was 1988 and the third was 2002. Yeah. Oh wow. So it was very. It was a lot more. You definitely got this, like. At times, almost sort of remind me like David Lynch, where you're kind of being shown these images that are kind of supposed to make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and disturbed, and the music was like, from what I, what I remember, a lot heavier, a lot more electronic, a lot more, um, you know, you know it, it's war. It's like not supposed to be enjoyable, you know. Were they all scored by Philip Glass? I believe so. Third one was, mm-hmm. and let me tab over real quick. Mm, yes, also. Wow. Yeah. So yes. Sorry, I, I was just so used to us talking about the Matrix. Yeah, I just yeah, assumed no. that that's where we that's, were going. That's my bad. <laughs> we so, could t- yeah talk about the Matrix sequel some other time. Yeah. If we had a camera, when Joel, you would have all seen my eyes just expand about ten times in size when Joel said he'd seen yeah, the I've third seen one. the third one. Holy oh. shit! No, <laughs> so Scott, you said you had the most to say about this one. Um, uh, sure, I'm. Say all the things. 
<laughs> say all the things now. <laughs> we probably don't have time. I, I want to mention the subtitling for sure because we talked about subtitling in the podcast. Yep. Then we packed up all our stuff <laughs> like, and then never checked, checked the subtitles. <laughs> because we were watching we it for like ages. Speculating about, oh, are the subtitles so, this? Is it for the hearing impaired? It turns out there are no subtitles <laughs> in the sense that the film is not subtitled all the way through. We mentioned music notes or right. audio descriptors. None no, of that. None, of, none that. of that. The only options are French and Spanish. There's no English because it's only for the text which appears on the screen at the end. The accommodation is not for the deaf community, it is for foreign languages. The bit of the end where they display the definition of Kronos Katz, that is either displayed in Spanish or in French. So that's it. (laughs) But that is really interesting because, as I I think I mentioned during the episode, the the sound is essentially half the film. Yeah. Because there's no dialogue Mm -hmm. to take in. The sound itself, what the hearing, if you will, is about half the experience of the film Mm -hmm. so not having that and then also not having any kind of description of that to to say that you're deaf and you're reading you know instead of having the usual door slams or gunshot goes off or Mm -hmm. whatever other Mm -hmm. descriptors might be in there there's nothing we kind of just become this visual visual cacophony which I think just it's a completely different film it has to be right Mm -hmm. by inherently and then I guess if you were, if you were say deaf and you were living without sound at all, it wouldn't be any more unusual a film, I think, than for the rest of That's us. That's interesting because yeah. it's it's still you, know, you come from different baselines, different starting points. Right. Mm-hmm. But regardless, it just it would be such a completely different experience. And I wonder whether they didn't try to do that because it was the eighties and no one thought to. Or not even because it was the age, just in general, because no one thought to. Mm-hmm. Dialogue was the only thing that was ever subtitled at the time, I don't know. Or because there was a conscious decision that taking the audio and reducing it to a written word would change the experience. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I have to wonder what was going on there. I'm sure that's one of those things like if the director hadn't thought of it he would claim it as oh yep that works <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I do that well, a lot <laughs> well then again because of the time period like we didn't have DVDs we could turn subtitles on and right. off it wouldn't so, be an option in the theater or that kind of thing right I mean unless they you know someone specifically requested you know a, a hearing impaired version and said okay I want you to add you know descriptions of what's going on to this but it wouldn't have been yeah something that's like oh yeah it's an option let's throw that in there with the other options that we have it's like no this is your vhs tape and that's all it does or don't some tvs i guess you would have it would have to be programmed into it even yeah yeah. subtitling typically happens at the at the production level okay where someone i I don't know the proper details but someone Mm -hmm. takes i guess a script or a finished version or what have you and makes something specific for the film mm-hmm. like Pan's Labyrinth the English subtitles were done by Guillermo del Toro right. particularly I don't, I, not that it always takes up the personal control of that sort of thing but if you just turn your TV subtitles on and then go watch the news there's software there that's just doing its best right. mm-hmm. yeah. or sometimes it's broadcast by the TV companies right Right. yeah that's but, so, yeah. you know it's it's not always if it's, a, if it's the first one where it's software it's about as useful as a lot of predictive text software is. It's not always great. It's interesting. I had a subtitle experience this last weekend. Tyna and I watched. Tyna's my girlfriend. Um, we watched um, 
Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. With the subs on. And it's like they're really poorly done. Really? And there's none of like kind of the... It seems like they gave them like a really rough script of what people were supposed to say. Oh, man. And just didn't didn't have any of the nuance or any of like kind of the colloquialism mm-hmm. stuff that... I mean, that, that movie is really, really well written dialogue-wise. It, and it's, and it, delivered. Yeah. Staged, yeah. timed, etc. The yeah. whole... The whole the whole communicative package. Is yeah, and it was just well it was really disjointed to see those words up. It's like that's that's not how he said that. That I mean, it just kind of <laughs> made something smooth, rough for no reason. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, it's an older form DVD, so it sure. might have been just kind of like the limitations of because it's the four pack you get at Target for ten bucks or whatever, mm-hmm. which I will have to replace because I've watched that trilogy over and over and over and over. <laughs> um, but just interesting that that seems to be a an aspect of film now that's becoming more and more refined. Yeah, and that's not just on the part of the studios. It's definitely in a large part due to the deaf community lobbying, yeah, lobbying yeah. film mm-hmm. studios uh-huh. for sure. And rightly so. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's, of course, yeah. certainly, absolutely. I remember my father who used to work in the industry was talking to me about that sort of thing there was a segment of his time where he worked with the I for the record I don't know what the inoffensive proper terms are to be honest I apologize if I'm saying anything weird with the deaf and the blind lobbies or should I say hearing and visual mm-hmm. impaired I don't know I'm sorry and he talked about the, the different requests they make and the negotiations with the studios and all and it was fascinating to me that he mentioned that the it's all relatively it's relatively easy for the deaf community to get subtitling especially more and more as time goes on Mm -hmm. because as I said you just need someone to sit down and type it out black it out and then an edit of sorts a post-processing where the subtitles appear and that's all it's not that that's necessarily just snap your fingers and it's done but it is much easier than facilitating descriptive audio to the, the blind Film, film goer, movie goer, hmm. because descriptive audio is a lot like an audio book. I think I did mention this at some point, maybe during mm-hmm. our Dragon Lord discussion about subtitles uh-huh. and dubs. Yeah. Where the uh, last one I remember watching with descriptive audio, was out of interest, was actually Zootopia. Really? Uh, I just watched a chunk of it. Great movie. When she's getting on the train, uh-huh. and it's there's an actual voice, a person who's speaking. Judy Hopps enters the train and climbs up into the observation deck. Uh, you know, takes out her music, portable music player, skims through to a song called uh, whatever the name of the song is by the artist mm-hmm. Gazelle, and the song <laughs> begins playing as the train moves past several serene landscapes. It, you know what I mean? That's why I sort of very roughly correlate it with audiobooks in a way. I'm sure yeah. it's hard, not really accurate, but I, just, I think it's an analogy that helps. Yeah. And that takes a lot more time, money, yeah. and effort right. than just subtitling does. And as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of success with the, the, the lobbying for subtitling. It's gotten better and better and yeah. better. But I have no idea what's going on with descriptive audio as it happens. Hmm. It is not surprising to me that Disney had descriptive audio because or, out of yeah. all the places with spare resources on hand yeah, right. to do that sort of thing, you know, Disney was one of them. But I certainly would not expect descriptive audio for Pagano even for Dragon Lord, just because they're so old. Yeah, I, I don't think there's necessarily... I think it would be difficult to convince studios yeah. and 
rights owners to go back and do that sort of thing yeah. for older films. It'd be interesting to hear descriptive audio for a kung fu film. Ah, for the choreography. Because yes, that would be that very would be difficult very to understand. I mean, it, it, I feel like the comedy would come through describing Jackie using this bench as a... a, a, a sure. A weapon or oh, sure. falling back into... Oh, sure. It too horribly different from the speaking your way through a Charlie Chaplin bit, almost. Yeah, that's There's fair. a pacing about it. But yeah. what about Ip Man's fight in his first film with the ten karate students? Yeah. That is just so fast. Yeah. How do you keep up? Just speaking, you know, even if I'm just narrating, not in a way that is in any way satisfactory for a descriptive audio track, if I'm just as quickly as I can just saying, here's what's happening to some mm -hmm. guy in the next room, that I couldn't keep up. Yeah. So. It's kind of, I mean, it, it's reminded me of kind of, um, at Comic-Con, I saw a lot of, uh, they had ASL translators for mm -hmm. a lot of the panels. and oh, seeing that's great. That kind of, yeah, it was great for Kevin Conroy's panel. There was, yeah. they had two, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. They had one for the, the uh, interviewer and then the uh, interviewee. And it was just, it, it was interesting to see, because you can see her mouthing the words as after Kevin said it. So she's doing it on the fly. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that they, we're seeing more and more of that provided but it's kind of this this art form where you're conveying information um, on the fly yeah. about this kind of visual auditory experience. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Translation in general is just really interesting. In film, whether it's subtitles in our dubbing or, or anything, just from one language to another, foreign or otherwise, just because translation itself is interesting because there's what I like to call the dictionary translation, where you just change the words. Yeah. And then there's, uh, I'm probably really mixing up terms, he, terms here, but the difference between translation and interpretation. Yep. No, that's mm -hmm. that's definitely yeah. a thing. Where I, I can say, well, the cat's out of the bag now, and the translator translating my speech into Spanish can literally say, you know, el gato no es, and you know, literally the words for the cat is not in the bag. And unless that's also a phrase that the listener, Spanish yeah. listener, is familiar with, mm -hmm. that makes no sense. Right. So the translator doesn't isn't going to say that necessarily. Instead, they're going to convey the meaning. You know, and films have that problem too. Yeah, it's interesting with Quinn Escotzi. I said it again, and I didn't butcher it. Mm -hmm. um, the the lines that we get at the end are translations of a Hopi. Oh yeah. So what we're seeing is in fact a translation. How was that translation? Right, and we then when with the subtitles, are they translating the English oh, or are they translating Hopi? It's a very like the a conveying point, yeah. meaning across these three languages, right? Because mm -hmm. that's that's how they presented sure. it. It's an interesting. That's really interesting because if, and I don't know off the top of my head where geographically the Hopi language people of the Hopi language were located. But some languages, it's very hard, nearly impossible, to directly translate certain things. Yeah. Just modern languages, from, say, Japanese to German to English, full mm -hmm. phrases or words that just don't. Yep. You know, how much of these older languages that were in certain geographic regions only translate to languages that took over those regions? Yep. So did they have no choice but to go to English first? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's, of course, the Spanish had a lot of investment in the New World. Mm. So, I, I mean, that's not necessarily the best example, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That is really interesting. I just say... 
I still feel kind of dumb that we didn't even check the subtitle menu <laughs> until we packed everything up. Because it would have been so simple to just hit the button again and go, oh, so we just checked the subtitles and, yeah, yeah. Nope. So we said it, oh, yeah. it's in the bag. Whatever, we'll cover it in the recap. <laughs> that's the thing. We, we're typing away looking at Wikipedia and IMDb for clarifying details. And the, the it's just sitting in the, in the player. <laughs> oh, Our wow. primary text was right in front of us. Mm-hmm. So I have another few points. Yeah. I'll start with the shorter one anyway, just because it... <laughs> I wrote a bullet point, and I actually am having trouble remembering why, and I'm hoping it'll come back <laughs> to me as I explain it to you. <laughs> the bullet point says, William Gibson, from A to C by way of B. And that comes from a YouTube video I watched God, ages ago now. Um, PBS Idea Channel, I think? I- I'm not sure. Okay. And they were talking about sci-fi. Right. Uh, predictive yeah, you were talking technology. about this in the last yeah. episode about the fact he was talking about you were talking about yes, sci-fi and the ability near future and then yeah. extrapolating to a far future yeah. and seeing Hoyanis Katsi as a time portal to the time period it was made was really interesting like a time capsule? A capsule, thank okay. you That's yeah. the time portal time I was thinking time capsule. video game <laughs> uh, that, that, that was just fascinating mm-hmm. because there were lots of things there that we can like, like when you, oh you know, we thought we thought the HRAF would be the future. Oh, ha ha. But some of them weren't so laughable. Mm-hmm. Some of them were things that even now I look at them and go, oh, that was smart. You know, this didn't work out for one reason or another. Things changed. Some unexpected new development, mm-hmm. what have you. But that was just so interesting seeing this other time period just as it was, not as it's portrayed mm-hmm. yeah, in right. a film, in a period piece of sorts. Right. Where they have to make concessions to the film practical and whatnot. I wonder if that's what a tone poem could be. Like you could you could describe a tone poem as a time capsule. Intentionally or not, I think they are. Yeah. Whether that's the purpose or not is something else. I mean, a tone poem is just a story told with music. Gotcha. So I mean, like, and I I think the whole th- issue with this is that the visual tone uh-huh. poem is a different. There were air okay. quotes. Let, yeah. let, oh, yeah. let the record show. show yeah. <laughs> On the word visual. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, tone poems like like um, uh, thank you, uh, Don Quixote by right. Strauss, right. where it tells the story of Don Quixote, but there's no narration, there's no like action on stage it's just pure music mm-hmm. but there's a narrative running through the through the music right. so, let me clarify and broaden then that films such as visual tone poems that just record what's in front of them I, I don't know if I want to include documentaries in that yeah that's they, difficult they, yeah. to remain hands off correct even if you intend to films like this where it's just here's a camera it's going to sit here it's going to film what happens in front of it yeah. end of sentence whether they're visual tone poems or not, yeah. whatever the intention is, films of that kind, again, whatever their purpose was or wasn't, become time capsules mm-hmm. of themselves. It's something that strikes me every so often when I see an older film that so many things that were predicted, personal communicators or touch screens or what have you. Star Trek. Sure. A, a lot of, <laughs> I guess, exactly. A lot of things... I've lost it now. I can't remember. But Sorry. Yeah. No, no, I, not not because of you. I just it's gone. I, was it wireless? No one quite predicted how few wires we'd have in our lives. That's true. But a lot of things, the wires yeah. were just integrated or hidden, or gone away. Yeah. A Even lot of science fiction a lot predictors. of modern furniture still pre- presumes upon the wire. Sure. I'm thinking about desks that like have oh, yeah. these built-in things. Right. That yeah. And we all we always constantly go, oh well, that'll be gone in ten years. 
I mean, as we're speaking, my my laptop is plugged into the wall. When we said, okay, this is a laptop, you'll be able to use it forever. It lasts for an hour and a half. And that that is what really struck me about the extrapolating the far future based on a plausible near future. Sometimes there are things that are just so completely against expectations that it entirely shifts what's plausible and what isn't. And watching Toy Anaskatsu was really revealing about Mm. that about what we thought was plausible at the time. Not anything that the film was trying to say or show, but it's that it happened to. Arcade cabinets or computers or the machines that we just happened to see in frame mm-hmm. just made me think about that. Yeah. About some of these things we're still using, slightly changed, and some of them have changed the way we assumed they would. You know, we saw a couple of sort of advertisements in the backgrounds or what have you, and those advertisements talked about the way of the future, and sometimes they were right, and then sometimes they weren't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it struck me that I would probably never have predicted one way or the other for most of that. You know, the things that a lot of people like to talk about the 50s, oh, you know, oh, yes, the, the World's Fair sort of voice about the <laughs> home of the future. <laughs> surprising to me as much, how much we got right is as surprising as how much we got wrong. Mm-hmm. Makes me very excited for our future. <laughs> because there's so much that we can imagine that's really cool. Some of it's going to be right. Yeah. Not yeah. all of it, but some of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, cool. it's it's interesting what we talked about last time about the uh, the way the way we were looking forward has a lot to do with looking back. Mm-hmm. I think the the idea of our projected future is kind of a little stunted now, just because we're we're looking back so much. Um, mm-hmm. But no, they. It is exciting to think. Well, I mean, we we have data pads. Like, to have a tablet thing that's no wires, you can stream content over the... You could could FaceTime with somebody across the ocean on this thing that has no wires, and it's in Mm -hmm. front of you, and it's this crystal screen. When I was studying abroad, I was getting ready to go to class, and I think I had Gmail open, because Hangouts lit up. Mm -hmm. And it was my friends from Denver who were in Australia calling me in Spain and a friend in the UK and our friend in Honduras by <laughs> accident. They only meant to call like one person. Uh-huh. And there was a brief moment where we were all on. I had to go to class, so I had to say bye really quickly. But man, I walked into class that day, I thought, wow, that was cool. <laughs> the future is now. Yeah, we made it. Really. <laughs> it's that my computer, which I use for games and Microsoft Word and email and etc., a lot of the mundane things that we've been using computers for for a long time could, at the push of a button, suddenly do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just did. Boom. Right. Not even at my behest, at the behest of someone in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was impressive. That was certainly impressive. The other thing, I, last thing I have written down on my little notes of things, notes that I've been keeping since we finished the episode, was something you touched on a little bit today again, Tim. And this could be about everything here, but Kriyanaskatsu in particular brought it up. I have this written in quotes. I'm pretty sure you're the one, Tim, who said it last episode. The, the, the phrase of art as a mirror where you see yourself in it. Well, my follow-up was, how much control does the creator have then over his art? Death of the author, man. That, we're that's saying, my response to that. Yeah, we're <laughs> saying what, what the art is and what it means and whatnot, because... Koei Askasi particularly seems intended to change based on the viewer. That we are meant to have a part of it. Mm. 
but you could argue that other things change just as much, even when that wasn't necessarily the intention. Oh yeah. You know, if a paint a painter makes a painting, and they want to convey something particular, there's no guarantee that all people who see their painting are right. gonna feel that. Right. And it's interesting you had talked about last uh, Tim about Philip Glass's minimalist not agenda and he would probably like dislike me calling him minimalist right. but the idea that it's music for music's sake right uh well that that's i mean that, the term for that is more absolute music okay. like mozart unless you're talking about his operas a lot of that with like a symphony is absolute music it's like not meant to tell a story it's meant to be like here are a bunch of notes interacting in rhythms and harmony and you're going to recognize this later and we're going to do this in a different key so it's it's all about the structure of the music um, but not as opposed to something like, um, yeah, like a tone poem where it's like this piece of music by itself is supposed to tell the story of Don Quixote. Mm -hmm. Um, that's Strauss you said, I believe so. I'm like 99% sure okay. I might. Yeah. I'm looking at um, later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, and it's one of those things, uh, I think the, the, the creator can try to have the artist can try to have control over that in terms of studying like psychology and understanding like these types of sounds will probably make people feel a certain way but i think a lot of that also has to do with their previous experiences um you know like if and, and i've seen this happen with with a lot of people where you know they might listen to something by mozart and they will start telling their own story like my mother's done this before where she's like oh he lost his dog and now he's sad, but oh, he went looking in the woods and now he found his dog, so he's happy. And it's like, Mozart did not intend any of that. Mm -hmm. Like he was sitting there at the piano just being like, hey, look how good I am. I can write all this stuff and okay, I'm bored with this. Let me do something new, to, you know. But, you know, that that's sort of the, I think the great thing about art. And it took me a while as a composer to accept that too. It's like, no, I want people to get it. I want them to get what I'm trying to say. And, you know, maturity comes and you're like, that's not my job. You know, my, my job is to create a mirror for them to see themselves in. And uh, there's an amazing speech in, uh, at the end of the Fountainhead um, where Howard Rourke is, he's on trial and he's, I forget what what kind of sets this up, but he's basically Every saying. Every episode, I keep track of the people I've alienated by admitting the things I've watched or read. Oh, you just you just toss the fountain head in there. Welcome to the club, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. See, I, I I mean, sorry, please continue. I'm yeah. still Each universal. Well, see, see, here's what I want to know to a bunch of people who are very against Ayn Rand. Like, how much of her stuff have you actually read? That's that's one of the things I want to ask people uh, when they Tim's immediately out, have that reaction of like, oh, blah blah blah, and they they immediately associate her with a Send certain group of people, and they <laughs> to the address but. one two three four. This is Tim's address. Yeah. <laughs> totally legit street. <laughs> But, dot uh, Avenue. Dot Avenue. Yeah, it's but, a mixture of a web address and a real address. I got you. Yeah. Got you. Right. So anyway, right. uh, well, anyway, so, um, so, well, and real quick, for those of you who haven't read The Fountainhead, it's about this architect who's basically like, he's all about integrity. He's all about, I'm going to do my stuff my way. And people, basically, most of the conflict throughout the story is people trying to, like, get him to sell out. To be like, I will, you know, I will buy your design, I will pay you so much, you are set for life, but I want to be the last person to have a Howard Rourke design building and you're gonna do it my way and then you're never gonna do a building and he's just like, no, screw you. Like, no, I'm not, I'm, I do things my way and that, and he ends up working in like a rock quarry when he's not making money as an architect because rather than sell out and 
do architecture the way that will make him more successful. He sticks to his guns and how he wants to do it mm-hmm. and, you know, does other jobs, which, you know, for, for a long time, he's been like an inspiration of mine. Of like, yes, integrity. And I'm now like, I'm screw, screw it. I will gladly sell out. If you want to hire me to write stupid jingles and give me money for it, I will fucking do it. I have lost all sense of pride. But anyway, so, there's this great speech at the end where he's, He's basically. Would you uh, work at Blockbuster again? If you had I to? would love to work at Blockbuster. Again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, there's this speech where he's basically saying how you know if I enjoy a piece of music by a composer, I don't enjoy that piece of music because I told that composer how I want him to write it. I enjoy it because he wrote that the way you know he felt it should be written. And if he had been influenced by any other things, I may not like that piece of music because it's not what it ended up being because mm-hmm. he wrote it the way he wanted to write it. Yeah. And I don't mean to be so gender specific. It was just the way he was saying it. he was referring to composer as, as a he, but it could be mm-hmm. a, any right, real person, gender, composer, sex, you know, whatever. Any composer, any artist who creates something. Canon that, Kodos from The Simpsons. Um, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Canon Kodos. No, all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, so the, you know. the phone flat in this episode. <laughs> another tick for that box. <laughs> Scott two. Everybody else zero. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm doing better than usual. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, so so yeah. So that it's almost like yeah. a happening upon the artwork, instead of kind of like. These are the parameters under which you are going to appreciate this thing because right. you've orchestrated it that way. It's here's this thing that exists separate from the we've consumer. Come back to the idea that the way we naturally encounter things adds value to them. Yeah, which we were talking about before about mm-hmm. my attachment to Pearl Jam because my dad listened to it. Right, and lack of attachment in some of the '80s films that get recommended because I don't have the the discovery. You, like you said about something about the way we come into them because mm-hmm. they existed in themselves right. without our influence yeah. is important. It gives mm-hmm. value. And the, I mean, and actually, ooh, this might be, like this that. this topic might come back if we ever watch the the, the, the film Pollock, the uh, the film about the when, bio, bio, we when, watch you're right, when we watch Pollock is, you know, without giving too much away, but it goes into how when he started being observed and they were making documentaries about him painting and they started like dictating like no stand over here more oh wait do some over here i want to get a shot of this over here and it started like ruining him like it would like the the paintings weren't the same they they were more forced because he wasn't doing what he felt like he should be doing and expressing himself it was being dictated by this director and um you know so so it's that sort of thing the the integrity of just you know input gets different output yeah Yeah. Mm mm-hmm you know, and that the whole with the quantum physics thing with the the observer, you know, like Schrodinger's cat could be part of that. You know, like, you know, if the cat, what if it's up to the cat to decide whether he's dead or not? <laughs> you know, like, you know, um, that no, that's not a good comparison. Never mind. But um, well, no, it's but, it's the idea that something observed is automatically influenced the, by the right. fact that it's the being observing observed. Yeah. alters the thing. Yes. Yeah. So yes, it was a good comparison. <laughs> yes, indeed, and but, we uh, observed it, so yes. it was worth observing. Right. <laughs> But so yeah, so that's that's that, like I said, that's been a long. <laughs> just Scott's a brain exploded again. <laughs> just melted my brain. Uh, <laughs> it's like but. something called. I I took a lot of philosophy courses in my undergrad. Ah, uh, explains so much. Oh, it does. <laughs> but I I got into a very heated argument with Zeke, who's another contributing writer on Nerds That Geek. Um, I I was insisting on the fact that because a salt shaker 
had a perspective from which it could perceive things, it was as likely that it could that I was perceiving it. And I'm going to cut this because it's not That's palatable just, at all. I thought what you were going to say is, is a salt shaker still a salt shaker if you fill it with pepper? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go but get, it's got an S on it. You can, uh, you can tell by I'm the gonna, whole configuration. I'm going to go get a, one of the bottles of liquor from my kitchen. And you stop me when that sentence makes sense. Okay. Just, I'm going to try and dig myself out of this philosophical hole that I... <laughs> Douglas, just the idea that an object with potential for perception is as likely to perceive as me talking about it because I can't perceive things from the perspective of a salt shaker doesn't mean that it's not perceiving things just because oh. we can't occupy we that can't, space just because we can't experience that perceptive perception firsthand I feel like this doesn't needs a lot more like illicit substances to exist. be. <laughs> Just because I can never be my dog and experience his life doesn't mean the dog doesn't have life Correct. experience. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's it's is a it, very it's it's a Rene Descartes idea that is it like a fancy way of saying just because we can't Descartes. see wind doesn't mean that wind doesn't Are exist. Are you quoting you know, small like, soldiers right now? Maybe because that's amazing. <laughs> small soldiers have, is amazing. I have seen that film. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I, I took us on a really trippy dippy place. <laughs> I'm going through my new wave era. <laughs> yeah. Wobbly time alignment. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be a girl. Oh, yes. The doctor yeah. is going to be female. Joel just dated the podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it's a good thing to date it. It's I, been I, too I, long. Yeah. I will not disagree with that at all. In fact, mm. I will agree. <laughs> People listening to this from years from now will be like, yeah, the past five to seven. They've all been women. Yeah, like, what, what are you talking about? about? <laughs> BBC erased the tapes of the old ones again. <laughs> that old joke of like bullet points of years, you know, it says like, when's our next presidential election? 2020. 2020. I, this was from like 10 years ago and I saw it. I just remember the years were roughly. Anyway, 2020, you know, first, you know, whatever, female president, 2024, uh, I can add, I swear. <laughs> 2024, you know. Uh, first, you know, mixed race, 2020, whatever, you know, first this, first openly gay, first robot, and then it jumps to like 3250, first boring white guy in forever. <laughs> like, just, same thing with the, with the doctor. You'll be like, what? Women doctor? That's not unusual. <laughs> like, like, we're, we're our own time capsule. <laughs> Yeah, remember when that was a thing that you had to get excited about when it's like, oh my god, for the first time in a long time, it hasn't been a white dude. Like, <laughs> That's yeah. It's sad that that's like dating stuff. I mean, I guess it's like any time capsule. Like you could look back and be like, "Wow, like this is this is all we had at this point." But damn it, we had it. What a cultural wasteland that was. <laughs> damn if we didn't love it. I did recall a couple of days ago those time capsules. You may or may not have been in school where you're uh -huh. not supposed to contribute stuff and they bury them somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember how many of those I may or may not have participated in, uh -huh. where they may or may not have been buried, when they were supposed to be dug up. <laughs> right. I don't know if I'll be contacted or if I'll have to like read my local paper, assuming it still exists when they dig the thing up. I don't know. I just those were supposed to be this big deal, and I. It's these things that they would end up excavating when they tore down the school to build something else. Yeah. Like it never. There was just such a belief in longevity at that point. You know, it was like, this school is going to stand forever. 
mm-hmm. and in 20 years we're going to pull this up and it's going to be significant because well, yes. in some places where they don't have the money they're going to have no choice but to use that school for 100 years right <laughs> but, that's um, fair that's fair but i just wonder now how much of that was for the students yeah, it's just <laughs> this placebo. That beautiful perspective right. of the future. They didn't even bury it. They just put it in storage somewhere. Yeah. There's, there's, I think there's a mul- I think there are a multitude of Simpsons jokes regarding this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, you can't really tell the kids the truth. 20 years from now, someone's going to think all this garbage is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that person? It's going to be you. <laughs> it's going to be your kid. And they be like, Dad, you're, when you're a kid, it was dumb. Everything you hold in your hands is the next Zoom, you guys. All right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. It's the next underappreciated Shots fired. No, Shots fired in a war that that's long over. It now, even though it's gone. That's what we mean. We tell the kids. It's going to be like the Zoom. Will they appreciate it only once it's old, you know? When in reality, it's going to be more like the uh, thing I can't remember because we don't remember. Right? <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. Poor Zoom. Poor Macintosh. No, not Macintosh. It would have been Microsoft. Yeah. You know what I wonder, too? I almost feel like our time capsule's obsolete because I feel like, you know, maybe back in the day when, when things weren't because like preserved right so like, many things like as we they could happen. just yeah, we could be like, what was some stuff that was cool fifty years ago and it would list like the four things and be like, Okay, I know that now. You know, yeah. like I mean I guess there is more of a personal thing to it where it's like this is what I thought was important at the time and you put it in See, but now we have Facebook forcing kind of these time capsule course back yeah. or posts up it's like mm-hmm. here's something that you should think is cool because it was on this day yeah <laughs> I was now, Facebook. now i'm thinking about the parks and rec episode where they're doing the time capsule <laughs> they're arguing over what to put in it and the guy wants like the, the uh twilight books and that guy wants like his cat's ashes put in there <laughs> we even got up far from where we started we, we yeah did. um, um I was going to ask, uh, anybody have any situational movie recommendations for this week? Because I have a good one. If nobody else has I, I have a good one. I haven't gone yet. So yeah, I no, no. <laughs> wait, wait. I feel like... I haven't gone yet. Wait, no, no. I feel like this has come up. Maybe it was when we were talking about maybe doing it at Comic-Con. Okay. What What's a good movie that you guys like to put on if you're going to like try to get your swerve on? You know, like <laughs> whether you're either trying to <laughs> set a move, if you're either trying to set a move, or like you know, no, like you're dating sort of the podcast, get your swerve on. It's true. That was a word when I was in my undergrad. Was, was that a black uh, blockbuster? Uh, pick no, that, that was pre-blockbuster. <laughs> that was like like ninety six, ninety seven. So like phones still had cords, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Like they were attached to your house. <laughs> so the the modern equivalent, which will also date this pop, is the the Netflix and chill content that you put on. Okay, yeah. When you're trying to get your swerve on. Yes. Yeah. God, I can't believe I just. That, oh, that. It was so natural too. You didn't even hesitate. I am so happy that that is documented forever. That's this a, is that's our, our time capsule. <laughs> What kind of strange reality pocket are we in here? Dimension of self fulfillment. Scott's like, fuck you guys, get out of my house. You're creeping me out. I thought this was an apartment. This is a house now? What's going on? Um, Um, What a question. That's uh, a good one, Tim, though. Excellent. Excellent. I, I know the movies I put on where it hasn't worked. Ooh. Which is another week. That's another week. Um. 
Scott's gone over to look at his collection. <laughs> <laughs> And notice, like, his was going to come from the discs. It's not anything on Netflix. Right. He's trying to contextualize. Mine were VHS, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, my VHS films were and are still mostly kids' movies, so I don't know if it's the right choice to make. Then again, maybe I don't the, watch the nostalgia. Maybe <laughs> the nostalgia would help with that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a certain... Oh, I Okay. I, I know what mine would be um, but there's a, <laughs> there's a certain kind of like you want it to be entertaining and compelling but not in a distracting way mm-hmm. and you kind of want the, 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 the colors of the film to be a certain way it's like a mood lighting thing mm-hmm. and you want the soundtrack to be solid mm-hmm. so there's all these kind of factors um, to contribute to the mood so this, I, I'm, I'm borrowing. This was used upon me. Um, <laughs> which is a very strange way. So if you're using it now, it must I was work, huh? I was swerved upon. <laughs> she swerved into your lane? Oh, my God. Oh. Uh, underworld. Oh. oh. Oh, fucking great choice. Right? So, like, just this, this kind of, like, grungy dirty like underground vampire flick with this implied sexuality and it, it's dark it's got kind of undulating metal music behind it like the, it, it it's really good and it's got a great credit sequence that's another thing it's mm. like when when the film is over and there's nothing really to distract you it becomes a soundtrack mm-hmm. to the swerving um <laughs> Yeah. That's true. You don't want something that just goes back to the menu and loops like four yeah. seconds of menu noise. Yeah. <laughs> Underworld is definitely the the swerve content. Nice. Swerved apart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is a really difficult question. Um, other than, so obviously this isn't a situation in which we've have an established relationship and there's something we both like that we just know you're talking about I'm trying to pick a film that will do that for me Mm -hmm. not where we've already established one because you've already established one you just pick that well it's kind of like it's the modern equivalent of like the record that you would put on and the drink you would make right it's like this is how to set the mood in a way where it's like hey these are things I like that you might like Mm mm-hmm but also not in a creepy way where it's like I feel like yeah if you just like put on something that's like too obvious you know turn the lights off and like oh hey look what record just came on by accident you know <laughs> let's get it on it's like happens. yeah kind of yeah exactly like yeah. that would be like you know no like that's too much but like to be like well and the way I look at it too is I, I, I have to kind of uh, I don't know if I call it a double edged sword but like okay if it if it does end up happening this film has to still be able to function underneath that. But mm-hmm. if it doesn't end up happening, it's like, oh, cool, I can still just watch this movie and I'll be happy with True. that, you know. Um. Mm-hmm. We're also, like, telegraphing if <laughs> anybody listens to it that ends up being in this situation with us, if this movie comes up, they're going to know <laughs> what is like, anticipated uh, yeah. or... No, see, we're doing God, this favor. is your swerve film. Favor because you will one day put on one of these films, and your date will know what's going on, and then they'll say, "Oh, it was just I listened to a podcast about 
and they were talking about this film as a mood film, and then you'll say, oh, I was listening to that podcast, and it'll be revealed that you both listened to Movie Mumble, and, and we're going to be what brings you together. <laughs> this welcome. is your, welcome. your welcome. Movie Mumble will be what you put on to get the swerve on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be counterproductive. <laughs> Be like, that guy Tim doesn't say much, but when he does, it sure is stupid. <laughs> the sound, sound of my voice has been known to drive people away. Um, the blockbuster quotes are really doing it for me. <laughs> I guess I have, a, I have a, a couple, depending on, I guess, the, mood. the beginning mood, okay. if you will. We're I learning know. a lot about each other with this. I like this one uh, a lot. Yeah. Too. Good job. Tyler and Ocean's film. 11, okay. 12, or 13 yeah. or what have you because they're, nice. they're fun yeah. yeah. and they're just a little bit stupid but they're not like gross or weird right. it's just a lot of cool dialogue good it's tracks good act- oh the music yeah 13 the whole soundtrack is yeah. gold and you know just light hearted it feels good yeah. at the end of it or for something a little more on the serious side In Time which is on our that list that is a good movie oh I'm glad you've seen it it's on our list I hope we will see it at some point I feel like it got overlooked it didn't deserve to be it was a Justin Timberlake and oh yeah, I, uh, I own that one. Yeah. Who else? Uh, who was oh, is that? Oh, is that the one who anyway. was in Mean Girls? Is that that movie? Am I thinking of the right movie? I don't know. I, is the, the one where they have like the time they yes. have left in their life? So they have, yeah. Yeah, they have a little display on their arm that so says. I have seen that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you get paid, and you get paid in time. Well, currency is time. Other than being an excuse to set up a lot of time-based puns, it's also <laughs> actually a really good film. Yeah. Very inventive. Very yeah. well done. And that one's also just, it's it's fun, and it's quick, and it's, I have to say, I thought the chemistry between the leads was excellent. I mean, it's always it good to have some of, JT in the mix. Oh, sure, yeah. but it's sort of a Bonnie and Clyde, almost. Yeah. Sort of, you know. I need to watch that heart, again. You know, heart rate increasing. Yeah. You know, uh, lip-biting sort of chemistry that just felt comfortable. Yeah. Not forced or unforced or whatever, it just felt right. And... Minor spoiler. It has, I think, it has a good ending too. You don't want to film it's too much of a downer. That's mm-hmm. true. You don't want. You're you not don't gonna watch terribly strong emotions in any direction. First actually. Planet of the Apes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you blew it up. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know that by now. So, so yeah. Oh, those are good. <laughs> Tim. I, I have. Hello. I have had uh, rent used on me. Ooh. Ooh. How did that go? I, I Let's kill dogs for money. <laughs> well, it, well, it went with. I, I don't remember whether I've mentioned this on the podcast yet, but I've worked and still do sometimes at a theater backstage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll actually be going back, flying back tomorrow to work on another production for my 10 year anniversary with them. Oh, that's Peter Pan, uh, right? Yep. Sweet. This company nice. does musicals. And I've always enjoyed musicals anyway, just separate, you know, film too. Mm-hmm. Not like super obsessively, but I, I do. I like them. I like the sound of music, or I've loved La La Land, you know. Or as much as like a musical, you know, etc. Yeah. And um, Rent was one of her favorites. Gotcha. So it was one of those weird combinations of I do genuinely want you to watch this and see if you enjoy it, but I also just want to make out with you. Okay. And like, <laughs> she wouldn't mind if she missed it because she's seen it a thousand times. And you wouldn't mind if you missed it because making out. Yeah. Although <laughs> I also admittedly was worried about that because I was worried that she was going to ask me about the film later okay. because it was a film she liked so much right you yeah. know was really one of her favorites I was sort of almost reluctant to stop watching it because of the responsibility I felt gotcha. to watch the film that she had wanted me to watch so badly <laughs> you know Ocean's Movies and In Time not like that for me if gotcha. you end up missing them and you go oh I didn't see it I go and eh, that's alright <laughs> you know 
<laughs> but, but yeah, that's, that's the story. So Tim, if if yours is the Matrix, you're gonna be three for frickin' three. Is it? It totally is. It's, it's one of them. It totally <laughs> is. <laughs> oh man. But um. <laughs> so see, your, your I, answer to all of these is gonna be the Matrix. At this point, I'm not gonna trust gonna, the answers anymore. We're just gonna the skip question you. Question is no longer relevant. <laughs> yeah. The answer is the Matrix. So, <laughs> well, there's uh, there are a few others too, and it's. Yeah, it is. It, it is really weird. Yeah, because it, it's this very sort of complicated dynamic. Where yeah, like, um, and, and that was sort of my thing with the Matrix is like, okay, like, if nothing happens, then I'm watching the Matrix. You know, <laughs> something happens, then you know, get my swerve on while I'm watching the Matrix. You know, and it's <laughs> this phrase. Oh, you're this committed. Is the best phrase. To get your um, swerve on. <laughs> get your swerve on t-shirts. No, <laughs> yes. Movie Mumble presents the swerve. Get swerved on. Oh God, you don't want a T-shirt that's been swerved on. <laughs> Am I supposed to make a swerving motion with my arm in the air when I reach around your shoulders? Yes. <laughs> Feel the gust of wind before you get there. Get swerved. Do I change my maneuver if I have anti-lock braking? Let <laughs> me get to ponder that one. <laughs> so the matrix and what else? Um, I said it was one. Please rescue so. us. What else? <laughs> Well, I was, I was trying to be like, Matrix, I was trying to be like, okay, Wait should I, up. I was trying to catch you off guard, and, but <laughs> no, I was like, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to go Joel's too dark. Too I, I had an inkling, but I would tell you the thing I was originally going to say, which was going to get like awful booze. No, I want the booze now. I was going to preface it like <laughs> that. Gonna, well, now there's so much. I was going to say Schindler's List. Just, <laughs> just, just to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so, so that's not a real answer. You're no, not at all. Not at all, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just say about depressing movies? <laughs> oh, we've just killed the ears of everybody who listens oh on doing headphones. I may not, like, I may edit that out, but that's going to be for us. Like, we're going to have an outtakes episode oh. at some point. We're keeping that oh in. Oh but then gosh, we can we can uh, we can fight club it where I actually came up with another example. I was going to say that was like that's too much. I was going to say The Exorcist. I feel like that's also no, like just that's, as that's, like a horror film is well established as a film that can be used to yeah, promote physical contact. Exorcist is really really scary. Yeah, like, like that, that's that's, true. that's one. That's true. Yeah, you like, don't that's want like too the, scary for me. Like right, you don't want the Babadook to try and get your swerve right, on. Yeah. You want something. Well, I mean, now that the Babadook is this LGBT icon, that's right. right you know, yeah, you know, the, the rebrand. Branding yeah. thing, it's oh. it's it's a cool thing, right. but okay. I'll have to look that up. Would be terrifying to try. <laughs> yeah, but um, Schindler's <clears throat> List. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. Oh. I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, oh, another one. So <laughs> <laughs> another one that that I thought worked really well for a similar reason. Um, another is, film uh, that Star Wars. On with. Yeah. Star Wars. You know, has Star Wars come up in all of this? Yes, like, yes, so of course. Fun. Yes, it was just let it happen. Film. Yeah, and it was my test your gear out film. Yeah, and and it's now Swerve on. So yeah, I, I could not do anything but watch Star Wars no, if Star you know Wars what? is on. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll think that's very. It depends on why you're watching them. Because sometimes I watch Star Wars because I really want to watch Star Wars. Right. But as I mentioned in that, it's the film I put on when I'm sick. Sometimes it's just nice to have on. Yeah, I. I I'm I'm five and when those go on, and I have no movie. swerve to give or be put upon. <laughs> sure. I'm just like 
There's, it's more Star Wars, classic, please. Classic, mm. Quote unquote, your classic adventure movie. It follows the trope of the hero's journey. Yeah. You know, good guys and bad guys. It's all a step. It's just that nice, comfortable, solid progression, which I think is good mm. for a, a sword movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although this is a, this is sort of a funny. It's it's kind of off the topic, but related. You know, as as far as movies where in case something doesn't happen, <clears throat> um, here's a funny story that happened to me once. So. I was hanging out with two of my guy friends, and oh, one you of got them, to swerve, oh, put a party. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to swerve across a few extra lanes of traffic to get to no, the No, nowhere near as cool as this. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joel. More, Thank more, you for that high five. Uh, I'm so glad you appreciated that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, none of this is usable. <laughs> we need to make the extra lanes of traffic joke since you said swerve. It's so perfect. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Um, no, but so yeah, I was hanging out with two guy friends, and one of them like now you're hanging out with was two guy friends. right, yeah. Okay, the, but this, these were two different guy friends. This wasn't you two. Careful, no, now. I knew. Careful. I mean, <laughs> we knew that. <laughs> so, um, so one of them was dating this this woman, and like we were supposed to hang out, and he was like, "Oh, well, she has two friends, you know." So we're the, you know, six of us are going to hang oh, out. How convenient! And oh. kind of, kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of like had an idea, like, "Oh." You know, I think you you and this one will really oh, get wow. along. I think you and this one will so really like get along. It's like a commute. That's an interesting dynamic. It, uh, well, uh, it hey, gets we're better. A couple and let's hook our friends up. Kind, of, yeah, kind of. Because then it's like, oh, cool. Like if we if we were all dating, then it's like we could all hang out as a group. This and that. So it's a movie to which three before. different couples could well, swerve. Well, on. wait, we're not we're not okay. there. We're not <laughs> there. Yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> the 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 women show up to my friend's house, and we all kind of introduce ourselves, and the, and then. You know, there was one, yeah, the one that they, they thought I would kind of pair up with nicely, like, oh, yeah, she, this and that. I think, I forget if it had to do with, like, kind of what she was doing, the type of stuff mm-hmm. she was into, whatever. So, like, so I was like, okay, I, I mean, I can only give her an alias. I don't know what her real name is. Um, let's call <laughs> wait, her. Wait, she gave her, a fake wait, name? Let's you call know. her Janet. Well, no. So, well, you'll know in a minute. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, like, 15, so we're not 15 minutes. Her and the person and then, you know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So. so, like, 15 minutes into this, she's like, Guys, I'm not feeling good, so I'm just gonna go home. So oh. she leaves, <laughs> and it's Bummer. me and my three guy friends, and then two women. And I was kind of like, okay, whatever, you know. So we're all kind of hanging out, and I'm like, how how is this supposed to not be awkward? And then I think, you know, they they put the TV on just again so that there's a background, and Fight Club was on. So I so yeah. the rest of the night, the four of them are on the couch doing like back rubs and god knows what and i'm sitting in a fucking rocking chair two feet from the tv what? probably the happiest one there just like oh yeah i get to watch fight club tonight oh man <laughs> and like every now and then i chew like oh yeah guys so that's so. a special movies to put on when two of your friends are hooking up right so and you, you need know. something to distract you and there's no swerve but but it was just funny that it was like you know it wasn't even like well this is a consolation prize it's like oh man this this evening almost turned out even better than i thought it was going to you know and, and it's you know uh so yeah that but but the reason i said that as a special case is i, I don't think i would ever put fight club on that's with a, that intention that's yeah you know yeah, it's, um, a little, it's a little too intense. It's yeah. got a good soundtrack, though. That's true. That would be a good. I mean, there's Once a lot of wet flesh <clears throat> slapping. Yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe up on. until like the the Jared Leto scene, yeah, you could probably get away with it. Yeah, but 
That's, I thought this was beautiful. <laughs> Up until the Jared Leto scene. Blank. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, just, I love the, the broader usage of that. Uh, now you've got me thinking about Suicide Squad, and now I'm disappointed. Oh, man. Aww. See, <laughs> that's for another time, for sure. Now I need to rewatch Fight Club because I'll feel better about <laughs> myself in context of Joker portrayals. Mm hmm. DC, what are you doing? So how much did we end up here of this actual conversation <laughs> about swervable movies that was usable? <laughs> no, it's 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 all usable. Okay, good. I just I didn't I'm just gonna have to edit the laughs down volume wise because okay. I was. I just didn't want to end up cutting Tim's answer, but it was his question. Oh no, <laughs> not at all. No, we're not cutting any okay. of that. Beautiful. I'm just I'm going to reduce the volume because. And if you ever wondered. Why are these people making this podcast? Now you now have the answer. We enjoy making people we've never met yeah. suffer <clears throat> with only our voices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man, it's like being a parent, except without all the work. Yeah. <laughs> Just a few words. Nobody way, has to be the adult. A few words that we crush to solve. Yeah, <laughs> or ten. <clears throat> Sometimes Thank you it's for our your own. continued li- listenership. <laughs> Is anyone still out there? Yeah. <laughs> Bueller. <laughs> Well, that's everything we have on this first recap episode of Movie Mumble. And boy, uh, was it a, a, it was a, a lot. journey. <laughs> I'm really surprised at how much genuine discussion we got yeah. out of this. I'm delighted. We got quite yeah. a lot more than I expected. And across a lot more subjects, a much greater breadth of content yeah. than I expected. That was great, really. These recap episodes are, as always, bonus episodes, which is why they will be longer or shorter or what have you. We're not constraining ourselves to one film or one set of topics uh, just to sort of clear out the cobwebs before we move on to another set of films because they are bonuses they are releasing as this one did halfway between two of our normal releases we will return to normal movie mumble as scheduled we're not cheating anybody out of anything not making you wait for another episode if you really (laughs) hate these these uh, recaps Uh, that will be the beginning of our second cycle Back again to Joel picking, then me picking, then Tim picking. Woo! Joel has picked On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And I'm so the excited. Only George Lazenby <laughs> Bond film. Yes. I am also very excited. Which Tim has not yet seen. No. Which will be very interesting indeed, I think. I think we all have a pretty good Bond background. I think it's something we we'll all be... have a Bond, different Bond background. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> excellent. So, as always, thank you so much for joining us, if you've made it this far. <laughs> you brave souls. <laughs> we hope to see you. Hope to see you. It's a podcast. <laughs> we hope you'll listen again for episode four. Thank you, and have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye. Bye.